Good morning again, First Chronicles chapter 14, as uh, I'm excited to share um, this word with you, scripture that I read uh, a couple weeks ago, I've been reading through First Chronicles, you're going to see that, if you follow us with the uh, 21 day prayer and fasting, uh, we've uh, put together a, a prayer journal that's simply called uh, uh, Built for This, uh, Building a Place for God's Presence, and, and out of First Chronicles, uh, Building the the temple for, uh, for worship to God, and so applying that to our lives. But as I was reading a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, I can't keep track of time, this one verse jumped out at me, and I, wanna, I know I've read it before, but I want to share with you today, and uh, I, just, I believe today um, has the opportunity to be a life-changing moment. I believe any time we look at the Word of God, uh, it becomes a moment that, that can change. And how many have ever been changed because of God's Word? If not, you've not been reading it because it'll, it'll mess you up. It'll, it'll change you for the better. And uh, so uh, uh, we're, of course, wrapping up the series called Imagine. And uh, hope you had a great Christmas and uh, looking forward to the, the new year and believing for God to, to do great things. Um, Jesus, it says of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And it says that he also grew in favor with God and with man. He grew in favor with God and with man. Um, if it's all right with you, I just want to declare over you and I today that in 2019, God is going to allow us to grow in favor with God and with man. How many would, how many would say, I want to grow in favor with God and with man? And uh, I want to look today at just uh, what that is and, and uh, believing that God wants us to grow in His favor. And uh, looking at First Chronicles chapter 14, why don't you stand with me? This is David. This is the moment David is established as king. He's already been called to be king a while ago. Uh, he already defeated uh, um, the, uh, uh, he, he's moved in to uh, Hebron. He's already been established or appointed king. But this is a moment that really solidifies uh, his calling and his purpose. And um, I want to talk today about the favor that God has in our lives. Verse 1 in 1 Chronicles 14. Then King Hiram of Tyre sent messengers to David along with cedar timbers and stonemasons and carpenters to build him a palace. Come on, somebody. That's favor right there. He, he, another king is sending resources to build this king a palace. Uh, how many know that's not just the favor of man, but that's the favor of God when he uses another king to do what is set in place? But here's what struck me. So God, uh, of course, King Hiram is in favor, and I believe the favor of God, uh, that he builds a palace for David. Verse 2, and David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had greatly blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. It was from that act that David realized that God had confirmed him as king. I want to I share today from this title that the moment you realize, the moment you realize, I pray today that you would realize God's hand and favor upon your life, not be familiar and realize the problems you're going through, but realize the faithful, faithfulness of God that is with you in the midst of every place that you are, that you would realize his love for you. God, I pray this today over each of us, that our eyes be open, let it become real, in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen? Amen. Hey, on your way to being seated, just tell your neighbor, tell them you're God's favorite. Just tell them that. You're God's favorite. No, you are. 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 No, you 
the moment you realize, do you know where you are right now? So you're like, what kind of question is that? Do you know where you are right now? How many can relate to the moment that you woke up in the middle of a sleep, and when you woke up, your first thought was, where am I, what time is it, and where do I need to be? How many have ever had that moment that you're wondering what is going on, what time is it, where am I, and then you realize that it's your day off and you don't have to be anywhere in particular at any particular time, and it becomes what a moment that you realize. It wasn't a moment while you were wondering, it was the moment that you realized. Some of us have been left even in a stage of salvation that we know Jesus, but we're still in the wondering of, does God really love me? Is he really for me? Does he really know what I'm going through? Does he really know how to work in my life and in my circumstance? Even though we know God knows us, we're still in the wondering. I'm praying today that this becomes a realization, that God's word comes alive in your heart, and that you move from the wondering to the realization. Because in the wondering, there's a lot of uncertainty. In the wondering, there can be fear. In the wondering, there's the unknown, the questions and the things that that will always and many times be in front of us. But then when there's the realization, things become clear. How many know when there's the realization, even if it's what you don't want to hear, but the moment you realize something is the moment that things start to take shape and start to move. I pray that in the new year, that this is not a year of wondering, but that this is a year of realization, a year of realizing. Realizing what? That God has confirmed you in his love, his purpose, that he's for you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He brought you to where you are and he knows how to take you where you need to be. That God has confirmed and ordered your steps. God is for you. It doesn't mean that we don't have questions of how's this going to work out, but it's one thing to have the question of how is this going to work out and another thing to know, I don't know how, but I realize that my God has confirmed me and my God knows what he's doing and my trust and my faith is in him that he will work this out. For his glory. It's the moment that you realize you and I will increase in favor. If we want favor to increase, if we want to grow in favor, growing in favor will result in us having moments of realization. When we come to the moment that we realize, it's the moment that we realize, do you know where you are right now? Do you realize where you are that in a moment between what was and what can be? I love the new year. I love the fresh start. I, I love Christmas, but I think I love the new year almost just as much. The preparation and, and anticipation of, of, of what God is, is going to do next, believing that he's up to something, that we're getting ready not to repeat what has been, but to realize what can be. When we realize something, when we realize the, the things that God is up to, that God is with us, that he's for us, things begin to click. How many know it feels a lot better when things start to click? When you think you're trying to make it happen and trying to get it going, but the moment things start to click, and it doesn't mean it always works the way we want, but I'll tell you what begins to click in me is when I really come to the understanding, God, I want this to work out in my life, and I'm believing you to work this out in my life, but I'm taking my eyes off of what I'm believing you to work out in my life and letting my eyes realize what you have already worked out and ordered in my life, what you have already done, what you've already set in order. When I come back to know what God has already done, it makes me aware of what he's doing. His glory has never left me, but my eyes become aware of his glory. His glory doesn't increase. It's just my awareness of his glory increases. When I come to the realization of who he is, the promise of his word, and what he's desiring to bring about in my life. I want you to hear this this morning. Maybe you can relate to one of these. If, if 
if I could have your attention, because I, I just want to know who I'm talking to this morning. I want to know who it is in this, in this room today that this relates to you. Do you fit in one of these categories where there are dreams that are still yet to be lived out? That there are prophecies that are still in word form? And there are God ideas that are still stuck in the pattern of thinking. Is that you today? Is there something in you that maybe you believe God for and you, you've asked God or you're desiring to see God manifest, believe? Maybe there's a, a word that's been spoken over your life that you're believing and the word that's been spoken over you that you don't hold, don't, don't give up on what God is doing. If it's still in word form, you keep trusting God and keep pressing to what he has because he's not done working in your life. Tell your neighbor right now, tell him he's not finished with you. He's not, he's not finished working in your life. I can guarantee you the enemy's going to try to do whatever he can to isolate you and make you feel like you don't matter, it doesn't count, and what you do isn't worth it. He's going to try and make you feel like your input and your participation isn't going to be significant. It's not going to matter. But if you can relate to maybe dreams that are still in your heart that you believe God for, you're still believing for your family to come to Jesus Christ. How many know if that's your dream, don't give up on the dream, believing and looking forward to what God's going to accomplish. If there's a prophecy that's been spoken over you, then maybe as a youth, as a, as a child, you grew up in the church and you knew you're familiar with the gifts of the Spirit and there's been a word spoken over your life and it's not come about yet, that word isn't empty and that word will not return void. You keep holding on and walking in the path that God has and your eyes are yet to see what God is able to do and what God wants to accomplish. I want to encourage the, the, the traveler along the road who has believed at one time but somewhere along the way got weary. Somewhere along the way your passion waned. Somewhere along the way, what used to drive you is, is no longer moving and driving driving anymore. I want to encourage you today to realize that God is in the midst no matter what has been. You might say, well, I've fallen off the wagon. I've, I've, I've run away from God. I've walked away from God. It may not have been his plan for you, but he is a sovereign and gracious and faithful God that he knows how to take what the enemy meant to kill you, to turn it around, and to kill the plans of the enemy. He knows how to work in those circumstances and situations of our lives that in the wondering that we come to moments of realization I want you to hear this this morning if you're taking notes I want you to write this down favor flows in the direction of God's calling favor flows in the direction of God's calling if you want favor let me just tell you this already you already have God's favor just take a deep breath right now that is called the favor of God if it weren't for the presence of God and the hand of God on your life we would not have life the very breath that we have is because God gives it to us. Everything that we have. You already have favor, and here's how I know we have favor. Favor is already upon us by God because there are people who are not even following Jesus and have God's favor. Some of you are like, wait a minute, you just messed up my theology right there. Well, that's called a theology of works. You don't earn God's favor. You are born with God's favor. Now, you're not born perfect. There's sinful nature, but here's what I'm, when I say favor, from the moment you were born, he started pursuing you. He ran after you. It was his favor, his desire, his longing for you, his desire for you and I, that he prepared a place that he's pursuing us. You have favor. The Bible says in James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, does not change, who does not change like shifting shadows. So if there's a person who is an atheist and has good things in their life, that's the favor of God, and they don't even realize it. 
what would happen if they'd realize the favor of God? Now, you might say, well, then the enemy would bring attacks. Absolutely, but then they would know the favor of God that brings them through every opposition and everything that the enemy would bring against them. There's even greater favor. You, can, you cannot receive God's favor, but you can grow in God's favor. You can grow in God's favor. How do you grow in God's favor? By walking in the direction of God's calling. If you want God's favor in your life, then you've got to pursue what is God's calling for your life. We hired Andrew Hudak, who's a part of our staff now. Andrew is the executive director at Faith Assembly of God, which basically means he likes to deal with numbers and details and lists and stuff. He'll ask the most annoying questions. I'm like, who cares? But it matters to somebody, right? But it doesn't matter to me. Why? Because it doesn't matter? No, because God didn't gift me that way. I'm glad that I've got someone on the team who says, hey, I know how to count and I don't have to use my toes. That's awesome. You know, people, you're like, you route off, you, you, just, you just blow off numbers and they're like, oh yeah, that equals blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, do you have a calculator? No, I did it in my head. I'm like, you're messed up in the head. I mean, that's just, how, and obviously you can tell I'm not a numbers guy. So I'm not like hating on you, except I'm probably just jealous to some level. It's like, that just comes natural for some people. Do you know the things that come natural to you? It's God's favor in your life. God has favored you in what comes natural to you. Don't try to get someone else's favor because God gave you yours. Don't try to become what someone else is good at to take on because that's not what God favored you to do. That's not what God has called you to do. i got to be honest with you. I get frustrated if my job is to handle the numbers and to take care of the details and all of those things. I want to be in the vision side. I want to be dreaming about where are we going next? What's going to happen here? How can we do this outreach? How can we do this event? There's just different things that excite. Whatever excites you, it's God's favor on your life. It's not something that you have to say, well, I've got this and that's just what I'm going to use. No, use what God's calling and gifting and favor is put in your life for. Use it for the glory and the kingdom of God. Whatever it is, if you want God's favor, then we've got to move in the direction of God's calling. I want you to see David had the moment of God's favor. When he realized God's favor, he knew and realized that he was confirmed to be the king of Israel. Now, David at this point, has, this is not the first time that David has ever heard, hey, you've got a calling on your life. Some of you can relate to this when you were a teenager. There was a, this sense and someone confirmed it. Which, by the way, don't ever believe your calling is just because somebody said it. Your calling has to be it's confirmed because God's already speaking it to you. Don't ever move off a word that someone gave you without first sensing it from God and someone confirming it. Your calling is confirmed. It's not what so-and-so says. Too many people are running in frustration because they're doing what so-and-so said they ought to do. So you don't do what someone says you were called to do. You do what God has spoken to your heart and others have seen and called out of you. Others who are trusted in your life, whether they be family or uh, parents or, or, or pastors or, or teachers or people who are mentors, people who can call those things out in your life. David had this calling on his life. 20 to 25 years before this moment, David is now, at this point in life, he's in his 40s. But 20 to 25 years previously, he was a 15, 13 to 15-year-old who was hanging out in the fields with his father's sheep. If you go back to the story, maybe you'll remember that David was the youngest of a whole clan of Jesse's sons. David was taking care of the sheep. He's a shepherd by trade, by birth, by his by his by what they did and who he was. 
He was taking care of the sheep. And as the youngest, hey, that's a job nobody wants to do, so who do we get to do it? (laughs) The youngest. Thank God I'm the oldest. I'm just kidding. I had work too. Jesse has all of the sons that are there. One day, Samuel, who is the prophet, comes into the town. And Samuel says to Jesse, he says, where are your sons? Gather them up. We're going to have a a ceremony of purification. Their question to Samuel is, is everything okay? Because how many know when the preacher shows up, it's like, oh, everybody better behave. The preacher's here. And so Samuel shows up, and they're like, wait, the priest or the the prophet's here. Is everything okay? Samuel says, yeah, everything's fine. We're going to have a purification. He didn't tell them, hey, God's done with Saul. He's still the king, but God's looking for a new king. He didn't tell them God sent me here. He just said we're going to have a purification ceremony. And he calls for the sons, and one by one, he thinks, well, maybe it's this one, but that's where we get the scripture that the Lord said to Samuel. He said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Don't look at how tall, how handsome, how put together he seems to be on the outside. I'm looking at the heart, and God says, no, it's not him. He goes through the whole line. He gets to the last one, and he doesn't find one. And so Samuel says to Jesse, "Uh, do you have any more sons? Because this isn't cutting it. Jesse's response is, yeah, we have one more, the youngest. We didn't think it was worth bringing him in. Now, Jesse doesn't say this, but Jesse's response is, we've got a son who's out in the field. We didn't even think he would fit this. We didn't even think we'd call him. There's someone here today, you're out in the field, and you don't even know if God even knows you're there. You don't even know if anybody knows your number. I want you to know today, God knows what field you're in, what star you're sitting under, what rock you're on. He knows how to promote you. You don't need man to know where you are. You just need to know God knows where you are. And how do you know God knows where you are? Is when you've got a heart of worship because where there is worship, he inhabits the praises of his people. So if you're a worshiper in the field, he knows where to find you. Too often we try to get found because we want the worship of people. We want the applause of people. We want the recognition of people. But here's David, no one even, think about the daddy issues that boy had. I'm the youngest, dad didn't think I was worth it. He left me out in the field, I'd take care of the sheep. He didn't even think it was worth calling me in. But David had a worship. You know what? There was a worship in him that allowed him to overcome what could have been his setback. What could have been his setback, that he rose above those things. He's getting called in, and while he's called in, of course Samuel recognizes through God's prompting, that's the one. It's him. And David then is anointed king, but it doesn't say he's anointed king. It just says he's anointed. You know what David would have known then at the age of 13 to 15? God has set me apart for something. I want to say to you today, I don't care if you've already hit parenthood or if you're still a teen. I don't care if you're even in grandparenthood. I want you to know today, God has anointed you. He has called you for his purpose. He's called you to his purpose And I know sometimes it's hard to see the purpose and the wandering. You better believe it because here is David. And David's like, oh, I'm anointed. Now what? Go back to the field. Now what? Go back to the field. Oh, and then you're going to take sandwiches to your brothers on the front line fighting a battle. No understanding or unbeknownst to you that there's going to be a giant there called Goliath. And you're going to defeat Goliath. David had no idea. But I want you to catch this as well. David had to realize he wasn't anointed to defeat, to defeat Goliath. He just did that as part of his spiritual walk with God and his trust in God. When he fought Goliath, 
God didn't anoint him as a teenager to defeat Goliath. God anointed him for something bigger. And sometimes we're saying, God, help me defeat Goliath. And God is saying, nope, you're settling for that. I didn't call you to defeat Goliath. I gave you the power and the ability to overcome Goliath, but I've called you to something bigger. David could have said, I've already defeated Goliath. I've already been in this place. How many know that David could have easily hung his laurels and his hats on, I'm the guy. Hey, remember, they write songs about me, that they kill the thousands and all that. He could have just left himself as the warrior, the one who fights, the one who overcomes. But God did not anoint him to overcome. God empowered him by the Spirit. Why? Because the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside of you and I. He gives us the power and the victory to overcome. You've got the same power that I've got and the same power that Jesus had to overcome. He's made us overcomers to conquer Goliath, to stand in the midst of the valley, to overcome whatever comes against us. He's empowered me to do that, but he's called me to do something even greater. He's called me to do what no one else can do. You can, feat, you can defeat Goliath. I'm not the only giant killer, neither are you. He's not the only giant killer because the same power that was at work in David is the same power that can work inside of you. But there's a calling that no one else can do. God's called David to do that. Do you realize what God has called you to do? Do you realize what it is that God has called you to do? I I love this, of course, seniors, when you, not senior citizens, but hey, you too. Um, Because I be one soon, sometime. Um, and I get a discount on my McDonald's soda, so that's really cool. I'm just kidding, I don't know. Is that true? You're distracting me, Dennis, stop. (laughs) There's a calling. Listen, young person, you've got to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you putting in my heart? What have you called me to do? Even when I get older, there are moments, I mean, yeah, I'm older now. I'm, I'm a couple years removed from the moment I remember at the age of 13 when God called me to be a preacher. I knew what God had called me to do. From the time I was 13, I knew that's what God had called me to do. In fact, I didn't want to go to Bible college. I just wanted to start preaching, just wanted to travel, be an evangelist, just go win people to Jesus. But I'm glad I got some training. But I'm telling you what, it didn't prepare me for anything. <laughs> that's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Um, It's not entirely true, but it's pretty true. Um, There's nothing like hands-on learning. Uh, But my my point is, is this, that even, I'm not 13, but I've had to remind myself and go back to those days of, no, Jason, you're called. I called you. Man didn't call you. I called you. Takes me back to a place when I was at an altar at Bethel Assembly of God in Littlestown, Pennsylvania. And I'm reminded, and I still see that place where I knelt before God, and He called me. He's called you. You see, it's not that you're not called, it's that sometimes we haven't allowed ourselves to hear. Because it took until this point for David to realize that he was confirmed to be the king of Israel. It took all of this, this adventure, this, this journey, 20 to 25 years later, and he comes to this, this realization of what he's, what he's called to do. And even along the way, uh, there's, there's a process that he has. And, and he tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And, and we're given this in the, the order of events in First Chronicles. It's different in Second Samuel, which has the same events. But I still want to look from, from this one in First Chronicles. 
right before chapter 14 where David is recognized or David realizes that he is confirmed to be king, he tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. The only problem is he does it in his own understanding. He puts it on a brand new cart and they begin to walk it and somewhere along the way it hit a bump in the road. How many know you're going to hit a bump in the road? You already hit a bump in the road. That's not because God's not your, God doesn't have favor on you. Because favor doesn't mean you don't hit bumps. Favor means the bumps don't hit you. Favor means the bumps don't take you out. Favor means that God gives you the grace that you need through the entire process. Here is David as this is happening and the ark begins to move as it hits the bump and the, the cart begins to topple like. And Uzzah, who is one of David's men, reaches out to steady the ark. And Uzzah, trying to do a good thing, did what no one is supposed to do. And because he reached out and touched the ark that no one is supposed to touch, the Bible says that God in his anger struck Uzzah dead. David is now angry because of God's anger. Some of you can relate to this. Not even just out of God's anger, but just out of life. Then there's another verse that says David was now afraid of God. And David asked the question, how can I bring the ark back? How can I do this? How can I, how can I do this? You might be asking the question today, God, how can this, how's this going to work? God, how, I, I, you, you called me to something. I believe you called me, you might be in a, in, a, in a relational struggle. And you're like, God, I know you had favor in my life. You called me to something I did. How, how did I get here? How did this happen? God, did you abandon me? Are we done? My, my finances, this situation, God, how is this going to work? How am I ever going to get back on track? How am I ever going to get back on track? Have you ever been in life's moments where you feel like, how am I ever going to get it back? How am I ever going to get back to what it is that you've called me for, what it is that you have for me? And listen what he did. It says that he was angry and he was then depressed or he was in fear. And out of his fear, he removed himself and left the Ark of the Covenant at Obed-Edom's house. Jody and I were at Houston this uh, past spring during our, uh, our uh, annual city tour that we do. We, we pick a city. It's a date thing that we do. It's kind of cool, but you don't care anyway. We went to Houston. Um, while we're in Houston, we went to the Johnson Space Center. And so I, I got a souvenir, and uh, uh, I got the souvenir I could afford, and it was a $20 keychain. I'm just kidding, it wasn't quite that much. But the, <laughs> somebody like, you paid that? No, it wasn't that much. It was $19.99. <clears throat> this, of course, was, was all over the place. It, it, it had for me just some symbolism to it. It, it says, of course, remove before flight. Some of you already, you already know this. You already know that this is put in place because it's a safety, safety measure that's put where there's a cap or a pin that is meant to be on the vehicle or on the aircraft while it's parked or taxiing because it's, it's not yet set and ready for its launch. And so while it's in a motion, either motionless or a slow motion, this is left there as a safety measure that when it is time to launch needs to be removed, needs to be addressed. There's some of us here today that we're walking in anger and fear that's keeping us, and we've allowed that to be our safety measure. We've put that up in defense, in defense of what's happened, defense of what's gone through. We'll never let that happen again. 
And so in our desire to protect ourselves and to play it safe, we've allowed some things that really just keep us motionless. And there's some things that need to be removed, and maybe today, that in order for you to, to experience the favor of God, you've got to allow some of that fear, that anger, to be removed. And by the way, the blood of Jesus has already made it possible for those things to be removed in our life. It's what he gave us the victory for, that we can allow this maybe today. And David had some things that, that needed to be removed, but there was a moment. Here's what, how did he do that? How did he remove it? It was the moment that he realized God's favor in his life. We say, what was the favor? The favor was that the king of Hiram built David a palace. I, how does that give favor? I mean, obviously, it's favor, but why is that the moment that David is now realizing? Let me give you a couple reasons. Number one is because the king of Tyre brought a gift to David, and the significance is that Hiram means literally this, to be high-born. And the one who is high-born, why is he high-born? Because he's a king of kings, not literally. Meaning his dad was a king, his grandfather was a king. He came from a line of kings. He was born into this position. The high-born Hiram is now building a home for the shepherd boy. Do you realize the significance of this? The one who is high born is now creating a place for one who is just a common kid out in the field. Well, what's the significance? Do you know that the highest born, even born higher than King Hiram, is the one who was the firstborn, who was Jesus, that the firstborn created a place for you and I who were common, who were nothing of ourselves of any worth or any value, but the one who is worthy of all created a place for us who are not worthy. He created the one who is the firstborn and the highborn, created a place for the commonborn, the one who were born in sin and unworthy. It doesn't get any better than this, that he has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that this becomes the favor and might I say if our eyes are not open to the realization of what Jesus Christ has done by making a place for us then our eyes will never be open to the greater glory that he has yet for us if you don't know the first one you'll never know the rest let me say it this way if the fact that Jesus died on the cross to create a place that our sins can be forgiven, that we have a place in peace and a place of belonging with him, if that doesn't move us and if that doesn't become a realization, if that doesn't become to us a place of knowing God's favor and blessing in our life, then we'll never know his true blessing and favor. Because for David, it all started when he recognized the highborn created or made a place for him who was the commonborn. And there's one that created a place. And this opens the door and a realization I want you to know today that you cannot earn God's favor but when you begin to walk in the direction of God's favor when you're faithful and, and God's calling that his favor is upon your life and it all begins with I know that God is for me how do I know this because the one who is high born came and created a place for me who was born of no value born into sin the one who created a place for me do you know that he created a place for you he's created this place let me give you a number two how do I, what's significant about it? Number, the highborn creates a place for him. Number two, it's significant as well because this has never been done before. This has never been seen before. I want to say to you today, 
that God is preparing you and wants to prepare you and I for what we've never seen before. Can I tell you how some of that comes? Some of that comes in the form of right where we are. It's not that it's never been done before. It's that some of us have never seen it before. Yesterday I was talking with a friend uh, actually here in this service, and uh, the conversation went to a question of why is it that we always want better for our kids than we want for ourselves? How many parents can just say, absolutely? I mean, to some level, that's what can get us in trouble too, parents. <laughs> I mean, there was a generation that said, well, we want, what, we want our kids to have what we never had. And then, so we also then trained them to not have work ethic and to really, that's not a blanket statement, not everybody. Don't get offended. Send an email, but if you want to, send it to Hillary at MyFaithAssembly.org. <laughs> There's value. We always want it to be better. We always want it to be better for, for the next generation. Why is it? I believe that God has put that in us. And the reason God has put it, put it in us, because some of you, and I, I want you to hear me today. Man, if you'll let the favor of God, if you realize what God is confirming in your life, if you'll realize that God is for you, it'll open the door and blessings will flow. I want you to hear some of you, this is not what's never been done before, but what's never been seen before. There's a young kid that comes to our church without his mom and dad. He comes with his grandma. And he comes almost every Sunday to give me a hug. I love when every time this kid, he'll just, he'll wait till everybody's out of the way and he'll come and give me a hug. His grandmother showed me his prayer that he prayed on Christmas Eve. And his prayer on Christmas Eve was that mom and dad would stop fighting. His prayer on Christmas Eve was that mom and dad would no longer have to go to rehab. Do you realize there's a young kid that's about seven years old that I'm praying in Jesus' name that he'll see what he's never seen before. <laughs> I'm praying that that home will be filled with the peace of God's prayer. Why? Because it's possible. There's favor for that. There's favor for that. Something like I grew up in a home that was always tension and difficulty. My prayer for you is that, hey, moms and dads, let's show our kids. Maybe if you grew up in a home that didn't show true love, then by God's grace, let's let our kids have better than what we had. And let's let them see what it really looks like for a husband and wife to love one another in the purpose and the call of God. Let's let's see what's never been seen before. Maybe there's patterns in family histories and things that need to be broken. In my life or in my home, it was alcohol. It was never an issue for me because Jesus got a hold of my dad and it broke a pattern. Guess what? I got to see what no other kid before me got to see before. And that was to never see my father drunk. I never saw my dad drunk. You know why? Because Jesus got a hold of my life. Now my dad saw his dad and his dad his dad, but I got to see what no one ever saw before. You know why? Jesus got a hold of my dad's life. When we walk in the calling and the purpose of God, there's favor, there's blessing. You can see what you've never seen before. We've never seen another king from a high position build a palace for a king who's not even from a family line, who's unknown, unproven, just showed up, never did this before. Another king acknowledging a king who used to be a shepherd 
we've never seen this before. Why? Because the favor of God will cause you to see what you've never seen in your lifetime or in your family. And I'm believing and praying to God that in our homes over 2019, that our children would see what we've never seen before. That our homes would be what they've never been before. Let me give you the last one. It's not really a point except this. Favor without purpose is just spoils. Write that down. Favor without purpose is just spoils. Well, what are spoils? Spoils are what you get from other people. Spoils just spoil. Favor without purpose is just spoils, but favor with purpose, that's favor. That's favor. Because here's what David says. David says he realized that God had confirmed him as king over Israel and that God had established his kingdom for the sake of the people of Israel. What is he saying? It wasn't for me. It was for the people of Israel. There's favor and God, here's how you'll walk in favor. You'll walk in favor when God knows the blessing that he wants for you isn't about you, but it's about his kingdom. Be careful that you don't turn God's favor into spoils. Then you turn around worshiping what God did and you spoil the blessing and the favor that God wants to pour out in your life. Because we worship more the hand of God than we worship the person, the face of God. God, be honest with you. Whatever favor that is, let that go. You know why? Because there's a lot more where that came from. That's why this scripture... I've shared this before, but where it says that God will be your portion, David in the Psalms, it says he is my portion. The reason he's my portion is because there's more to come. He's my portion, which is enough for the moment, but there's more where that came from. That there's more than enough. God is wanting you today to know the favor of God. God's got favor on your life. And when you know favor, Favor removes the tension. It doesn't mean there's never tension. It just means that it begins to help you to get above the tension. Do you ever have moments you're saying, God, I'm serving you, but it's too much pressure. How many have ever felt like serving God has been a little too much, too hard, too difficult? Okay, I'm the only one, it's just three of us. Maybe we can go see a counselor together or something. I mean, you know, sometimes you get tested in your faith. Just to make sure here, I want to make sure we're normal. We're not. Raise your hand if your faith has ever been tested. Okay, we're, we're normal. We're okay. We're good. What do you do in those moments that you're tested? Those are the moments you better know that you realized that you're confirmed in God. Because when it starts getting rocky... Oh, I'm confirmed. I'm anchored in him. Listen to this. What God confirms can never be changed, but can only be ignored. Let me say it again. What God confirms can never be changed, but only ignored. When God calls you, you can't change it, but you can't ignore it. Because when God calls you, it's his calling. I don't believe God ever goes back on his calling. I don't believe he goes back on his calling. He knows how to work those things out in our lives that we create a place for God to work that he would receive glory I was um, 
intrigued reading through some stats for Uniontown. I'm that guy that I love to read the newest report of where the stats are, that whatever comes out of our behavioral health, whatever comes out reports for the county, I've already got the opportunity that they'll allow me to, you know, just whatever reports and studies there are. And um, one of them that I was reading recently um, was talking about all of the history, which that's right up my alley. I love history. And um, I knew this, I had heard it, but I thought, man, we don't celebrate that enough. That on a small alley here in Uniontown, there's a marker where there used to be a home that was a stop for the Underground Railroad. Now, some of you might know that. But right here in Uniontown, there was a home where someone risked their life. They risked their future. They believed in the cause of equality that all men are created equal. And they created a home that said, I'll make a place so that the favor that I have to be where I am, that I'll make a place that you can come. And I'll make a place that I can't save you, but I'll make a place that can be along the path of getting you where you need to be. Do you know why God has favor in your life? Because He wants you to set up a railroad for people who need to find hope, who need to find freedom. He's not giving you favor so you can just have favor. He's giving you favor so that you can have the purpose to which He's called you. And the purpose is so that we can walk in freedom. Do you realize why God has given you what He's given you? Do you realize that He wants to do something far greater that right here in Uniontown, that home isn't even there anymore but I know there are there are descendants of people who walked through that home there are people who were rescued in that home who came to that home I don't know who they are I just know there's been enough and the house may not stand but the purpose to which it was for is still going on have you come to the moment of realization that God has called you to something bigger than yourself it's not about you he didn't favor you just for you he favored you because he's got a railroad that he wants to bring people on he has a purpose that from the very beginning he created this and guess what he gives you and I the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing in our day and in our hour do you realize what God is wanting to do? Do you realize what God wants to accomplish in your life? This morning, I want to say to God, God, I want to increase in favor. I want to increase in favor. I want the favor of God to grow in my life. And I want to grow in a place where God can work in and through my life for His glory. If you want God's favor to increase in your life in 2019, would you just stand to your feet right now in, a, in an act of worship? Like David in the field, you might say, God, I don't even know if you know where I am. But if you worship, I'm telling you, it's like a honing device. He knows how to find his worship. He knows how to find those who are calling out to him. And so would you worship and let's declare in him that he is our living hope. If you want God's favor today, you say, I want to.